We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Like Kobe in a fourth quarter. This is the Dane Moore NBA podcast brought to you by the Genesis Company. Coming a Tuesday afternoon, it's February 7th. Weird timing for an episode. The Wolves and Nuggets about to play here in a couple hours. But this episode isn't going to be a game-specific episode, per se. I'll be recapping what does go down in Denver uh, on Tuesday night on Wednesday morning with Jace Frederick. So this episode is just going to be me, and I want to hit on three things that, again, aren't game-specific. Uh, with there being more and more talk surrounding Nas Reed as an extension candidate rather than a trade candidate, I want to get into the logistics of how an extension would work for Nas and how salary cap wise, an imminent right now Nas extension is, or in the next week, is likely contingent on how they handle the trade deadline from a salary cap standpoint. I also have a hypothetical trade I'd like to go through related to D'Angelo Russell that is different than the bantered about kind of Kyle Lowry or Mike Conley trades just on a, with the deadline right here, kind of think of different ways that D'Angelo Russell could be traded just because I don't think that Lowry or Conley type deal is, is all that likely to go down. So it's just another option way of thinking of it. Uh, and then I also talked to Jalen Noel at uh, Wolves practice this afternoon, uh, just about how his name is also kind of in the trade mix, free agency mix. and. And also about how he is no longer going to be forced to play point guard now that Jordan McLaughlin is back. And, you know, just kind of the idea he talked about a little bit about how needing to play point guard was a little unnatural. And maybe, I guess, for Wolves fans, optimistically, you know, maybe skewed a little bit of of Noel's production and, you know, or lack thereof thus far this season. So let's start with Noel. Um we talked on the Tuesday show about how it was in the minutes that Noel shared the floor with J-Mac where he found, Noel found his most success last season. And when I asked him today about sharing the floor with J-Mac, Noel did kind of peel back why that has been the case or why he he felt that was the case. So here's Noel at practice this morning. Finch was talking about how you and J-Mac specifically have historically had success together it puts you off the ball at the, the two guard not playing point as much exactly. going back on past seasons and maybe just in that last game how do you how do you feel that J-Mac helps your game when you're on the floor 
Well, my game personally is great because, like, you know, I don't have to be the one initiating. I don't got to bring it up every time, wasting, uh, you know, there's a lot of energy bringing it up and trying to get everybody in the right place and, uh, you know, having to, you know, vocalize everything and, and being the one to, to call the plays. You know, J-Mac is, that's really J-Mac's strong suit. My strong suit is being off the ball and, uh, you know, just getting it in those, those scoring areas and, you know, being able to make plays out of them. And, uh, you know, having J-Mac back, it, it, puts my mind at ease and uh you know that's what i'm saying he he and i i'm not the only one who puts that ease as well like he's such a great great player great you know facilitator great um, leader so when when he was back and i got the news he was back i was happy not just for me but for everyone else you know do you feel that like if you you've been like it says you've had like half your minutes at point guard half your minutes at at shooting guard do you feel that like that can have a pretty profound impact on your three-point shot when you're off ball versus on ball? Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, I didn't get a lot of like catch and shoot shots um, when I was on ball a lot. Um, I think I got a couple couple last games, it was more I got in a while in, in one game. So, you know, it definitely, you know, it's the, type, the type of threes I was shooting, I was shooting a lot of, you know, contested, um, no dribble, no dribble threes. Um, you know, I got a got a couple uh, open shots, but they just weren't falling. Um, but I, you know, I think with J Mac being back in the ball movement, and um, you know, just me, like I said, me being able to play off the ball and just create um, more easily in the half court, I think it's going to do a lot. So let's go through some of the numbers on this. Uh, last season, Clinton Glass says Noel played 275 of his minutes at point guard. Obviously, that's for the full season. This season, they say Noel has already already played 490 minutes at point guard. That means Noel has played nearly half his minutes this year at point. And those point guard minutes have been substantially worse than his minutes at the two. The Again, according to Cleaning the Glass, the Wolves have been outscored by 1.7 points per 100 possessions with Jalen at the point. And when he's been at the two next to another point guard, J-Mac or D'Lo, uh, the team has actually been pretty great. They've outscored opponents by 5.2 points per 100 possession. Now, this stuff isn't black and white. You know, Noel playing more of his minutes next to J-Mac doesn't guarantee anything. You don't get to just copy-paste that cell in the spreadsheet. But it's reasonable, given Noel's history, dating back to last season, to assume that the return of J-Mac and thus, you know, the deleting of his own point guard minutes should be able to make these next 25 games maybe even substantially better than the last 25 games have been. And I see that as relevant to the trade deadline, specifically through, you know, the lens of a potential Bones Highland trade. I mean, if you're now confident Noel is more likely to be the player he was at the beginning of this season or the player he was last season, I think you have way less need for a player like Highland. And you know, by the way, just from what I can gather from the people I've talked to, again, as I sit here Tuesday afternoon, a Bones Highland to Minnesota trade is unlikely. And if that plays out, it doesn't happen. I mean, you do still have guard needs on this team, even if you don't have that same point guard need. And then just for Noel, I mean, so much of it does come to what he's talking about there. It's the shooting, right? Like, and while Noel is actually a pretty good, like, off-to-bounce three-point shooter, like, he has that in his game, you, you do always want to prioritize those catch-and-shoot opportunities if you're looking to just boost your percentages, as Noel needs to be doing. And I thought it was interesting that last season, 70% of Noel's three-point attempts were catch-and-shoots. 
And this season, before J-Mac got hurt, 70% of Noel's three-point attempts were catching shoots. Since J-Mac went down, not even 60% of his threes have been catching shoots. That at least is part of the reason why Noel is only shooting 27% from deep since J-Mac went down. I mean, personally, I think optimism surrounding Noel the rest of the way is more than warranted, even if we don't know exactly what his role will be, you know, given more and more players coming back from injury. But, you know, I'm optimistic that this, what it has been for Noel for the last past couple months is not going to hold. But also when it comes to Noel's future, like the return of J-Mac is not the only factor at play here because Noel is an unrestricted free agent at season's end. You know, that that makes him a name to watch at the deadline. And even if he does remain in Minnesota beyond the deadline, his future beyond this season is maybe even murkier. There, there were discussions around a potential Noel extension happening early in the season. And, you know, as has been reported many places, those died. And it's now Noel's preference at a minimum, you know, to test unrestricted free agency, what his market is there this summer. And, you know, all signs point to it being unlikely that Noel is a Timberwolf next season. And when I asked Noel about that at Shoot Around today, I think you could kind of pick that up in his tone, you know, even though I don't think he's embittered by Minnesota in any way. I mean, this is the place that drafted him, gave him his first shot. He said that. So here's Noel on, on his mentality as his name kind of floats around the trade deadline rumor mill. It's your fourth year here. You've talked with us before in the past about navigating kind of that time. You described it as a sort of long, dark hallway there uh earlier this is your fourth year it's the last year of, of your contract your name's out there how how for you like how, how do you process that and i would imagine you know you're you've kind of been building something here and it's kind of this arbitrary line in the sand of like okay my contract's up here like how how do you think about that and how do you think about the idea that you know that's not guaranteed that you'll be in minnesota long term i mean i just I, I think about it as you know today we have a game and then in a couple other days we have a game and we're going to make the playoffs. And so I'm going to be in Minnesota for a, at least this year. And whatever happens, happens. What has it just been like? I mean, this is the only team you've, you've been with. This is kind of like all you've known. To, to what extent have does this feel like home to you in, in the league? Uh, I think it's definitely home. You know, it's, it's a team that gave me a shot. Um, four years here. It's a long time. They... I was 19, now I'm 23, like, learned a lot, grew a lot here. Um, so I'm definitely thankful for Minnesota, for sure. Appreciate it, man. If this is the beginning of the end of the road in Minnesota, you know, for Noel, I, I will say that just for me, he's been a cool story to, to cover over his career. You know, both he and, and Nas Reed, uh, it's, yeah, it's, it's cool to watch them grow from 19-year-olds, like you said, and to what they've become now, you know, rotation players who did – survive the path of being second round picks or undrafted in Nas's case. I mean, a lot of guys don't do that. And for someone in my role, you, know, you understand most guys don't last long in one place. Uh, but, I, but I've really appreciated both of them just as guys over their careers. So if this is it or, or if the summer is it for either of them, you know, shout out to them. They've been good guys and uh, cool stories to, to cover for me. All right, we're going to take a quick break here and then I'll be back to talk about Nas's future and also a potential DLO trade framework that I think is worth discussing in the wake of the trade deadline. 
Today's show is brought to you by The Genesis Company. The Genesis Company is the MVP of the business game. With their advanced marketing techniques, they've helped over 300 brands generate over $3 billion in retail sales. So if you're an entrepreneur with any size brand or product, they're the best in the business. And for being fans of the pod, they're offering free access to their proprietary AI technology that helps founders uncover the true potential of their brand. Find out how big your brand or product should be. Don't let your competition steal the lead. Email them at grow at thegenesiscompany.com and claim your spot at the top of the game. That's grow at thegenesiscompany.com. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shay Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shay Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dom- Dominic Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina Wine Mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. All right, we're back to discuss some trade deadline adjacent topics. Uh, Like we've been saying for the past few months, we knew the main Wolves names to track at the deadline were going to be Jalen Noel, D'Angelo Russell, Nasri, just because they are all set to be unrestricted free agents at at season's end. And they play for a team that has to really consider re-signing anyone, given how pinched they are about to be financially with both Edwards and McDaniels, extension eligible this summer. And that's, of course, on top of hundreds of millions that they have committed to Towns and Gobert. So we already talked about Noel. Let, let's get into Nas and D'Lo a little bit. Start with Nas. Nas' situation is different than Noel's because uh, an extension is more of an option here, though it's a bit of a complicated option when we start to consider the Wolves' salary cap situation specific to next year. Nas can sign an extension right now. And Jake Fisher from Yahoo earlier this week reported Nas' side is looking for 10 mil a year on the extension. So that's a flat 10 million a year. We're talking about it's probably going to be a, a, a long-term deal because Nas is 23, you know, something like four years, 
40 million. And what's interesting, like whatever you think about what Nas's value is, I think most of the people that are, are listening to this are Wolves fans. And I don't think that's a crazy number for Nas, even if it's maybe towards the higher end. It, what I'm trying to focus on is what's interesting here is how this would impact next season's cap space. And I think regardless of what you think about Nas, you have to consider this. And as we've talked about before, when we're talking about the Delo, when we've talked about the Delo salary, geez, the Delo salary slot, the Wolves actually stand to have fairly substantial cap space this summer if they don't re-sign D'Angelo Russell. You're like, wait, what? I thought you just said Ant and Jaden are extension eligible. Can't Rudy make millions, hundreds of millions? And yes, that that's all true. But again, those extensions for Ant and Jaden won't kick in until the 2024. 25 season when they go and this year they're making a combined 13 million Ant and Jaden. And then by 2024, 25, I mean, we're talking about like a combined 60 million for those two. Also cat supermax extension doesn't kick in till 2024, 25 cat will go from making just under 34 million this season to 50 million in 2024, 25 and up to over 62 million by the end of that supermax, which is all to say the wolves have a little window this summer to operate as a cap space team. Currently, they are $14.3 million under next season's salary cap. That could go up another $7.5 million if they waive Torian Prince this summer or trade him to another team without taking money back. I guess both of those are option dependent options. And then it could go up by another $2 million if they don't pick up Nate Knight's team option for next season. That gets you to $24 million in cap space, though functionally you got to carve that down a little bit because there just wouldn't be many players left on the roster if D'Lo was gone and if Prince was gone, Knight was gone, others. So you got to kind of fill up some of those roster spots. So I don't know, whittle that down to more like 15, 16 million in, in functional cap space. So if the Wolves were willing to move on, yeah, from Prince and Knight, we're talking about about a $15 million player this summer that they could add. They'd have the opportunity to add in free agency. You know, that's what guys like Lou Dort, Tyus Jones, Kevin Herter, those guys all signed about, started about $15 million contracts this season. That's just kind of like a tier above the mid-level exception, right? That kind of $10 million number. Almost every team can use the mid-level exception. Far fewer can go above the mid-level exception and pay that $15 million rate. This would put the Wolves in that situation. And point being, as it you know pertains to Nas, is if you sign Nas to a $10 million extension now, that cap space option goes out the door, right? You can't go get that $15 million guy. But just because you don't sign Nas to an extension now, that doesn't mean you can't bring him back in the summer. The Wolves have Nas's bird rights, which means they could, in theory, go out and sign that $15 million player with cap space the summer, and they could then go over the cap to re-sign Nas using his bird rights. That's all bird rights mean, that you're allowed to go over the cap to re-sign your own players. Which means it would take far, it would make far less sense to give Nas an extension now unless you know you're not going to operate as a cap space team this summer. And that, at least, again, as of today, seems like an option. And pretty much the only way you know you're not going to be a cap space team is if you know you're going to keep D'Angelo Russell's money on the books beyond this season either by giving him an extension or by trading him for a player who has money on the books next season. Again, i.e. 
trading Russell for Kyle Lowry or Mike Conley, both who have one more year left on their deals. And if you're the Wolves, you don't know any of that until the deadline passes, right? Like things are brewing right now and potentially could happen that in 24 hours from now that you didn't even know were really an option. So that that all means related to a Nas extension, because I feel like it's been portrayed as like, oh no, they're definitely not going to do that. They're being cheap on not like, no, I just think it means that the earliest you could see a Nas extension is after Thursday, just given all that cap space stuff. But that all leads us back to D'Lo, right? And the idea of preserving the salary slot or not, which we've talked about before as potentially having some value because that's a max salary slot, not a maybe $15 million in cap space salary slot on the alternative option, right? There's a, there's a distinction there. But preserving the D'Lo slot is not a no-brainer either. I think the idea of giving Russell, Russell an extension now makes more sense than maybe it did two months ago or even a month ago. But we know there's still some imperfection to Russell's specific fit on this team from at least a defensive standpoint. So I want to throw out another quasi-preservation of the salary slot option because if I'm being honest, I just don't know if the preserving the salary slot idea for an aging Kyle Lowry or Mike Conley is all that good of an idea, particularly if you need to attach an asset to D'Lo in a swap for Lowry or Conley that makes it make even less sense. So what I did was try and look for a team that might be able to both preserve the salary slot in a D'Lo trade and have that team send an asset back to Minnesota in the process. I just wanted to see, is that is that possible? Is there anything I could find that is like, okay, I could maybe see that happening. And the team I came to was the Washington Wizards. And that is because Washington is in an interesting place from a cap space standpoint. Bradley Beal is on a Supermax set to make $47 million next season. Chris Tapps Porzingis is their second most expensive player, but he has a player option for $36 million next season that he could very well decline. It's kind of been reported, speculated that he might do that. And maybe he signs with another team for like $30 million a year over more years, three or four years. So he could be gone. Will Barton is their third highest paid player, making $14.4 million, but he's set to be an unrestricted free agent at season's end, so they already have that space coming. And then Kyle Kuzma is next up at $13 million, and he could also opt out of his player option similar to Porzingis. Again, that option is for $13 million next year, which means no por- if Porzingis opts out, Barton is not on the team, and Kuzma opts out, Washington could very well have like 60 plus million coming off their books for next season. You know, crazy enough, the Wizards could go from being a team right up against the tax to being a team with even more than max cap space by, you know, as early as this summer. They also have Monte Morris on the books for next season at $10 million and DeLon Wright on the books next season for $8 million. You shed those two contracts and you're talking about not only a max cap spot, but also room to bring in another $20, 25000000 million player as well. You know, if I'm Washington, that, that seems pretty enticing to me I'm trying to build around Bradley Beal and his Supermax contract. So my idea along these lines is Will Barton's expiring $14.4 million contract, Monte Morris's two years, including this season, and $19 million he has left on his deal, and DeLon Wright's two years and $16 million he has on his deal. Those three 
for D'Angelo Russell's expiring $31.3 million contract. For this season, those contracts actually match up perfectly. Barton is at $14.4 million, Morris is at $9.1 million, and Wright is at $7.8 million. That is exactly $31.3 million, which is a perfect push with Delos $31.3 million. So Washington doesn't go up into the luxury tax, neither does the Wolves. They're both right there on the fringe. If you're Washington, Delo has to be somewhat attractive there too from a, a long-term piece. I mean, you could have that max cap space and you could have the opportunity to bring Delo back for a 20, 25 million a year type of deal. Well, again, still having max space on top of that, provided Porzingis and Kuzma are going to opt out. Or you could let Delo's deal expire and just have like a ton of cap space, you know, even even more than that max slot next to Beal. And I think that setup, dependent on how they decide they feel about Delo, either of those paths might be enticing enough to potentially throw maybe a protected first round pick back to Minnesota in the process. Again, this is me just spitballing. We, I we can't know what the asset value that they would attach to it is, but I don't think any of that logic from the wizard side is particularly crazy. Just if for no other reason, than it gives them all that cap space for next summer. But you might be thinking like, what's in it for the wolves? You know, D'Lo downgraded to three guys who are worse than D'Lo. Again, you'd be getting Will Barton's expiring $14.4 million contract. You'd be getting Monte Morris at point guard for $9.1 million this season, $9.8 million next season. And you'd be getting DeLon Wright at the kind of combo guard for $7.8 million this season, $8.2 million next season. A couple factors here that I think are worth pointing out. Barton, not, he's 32 years old. He's been really bad this season and really hasn't been a clearly productive player in like three years. He's, but he's an expiring contract. You wouldn't really be getting him for that reason. I think it's also worth pointing out that him and Tim Conley are boys, obviously back from their Denver days, but both Conley and Barton are from Baltimore. Conley gave him that long-term extension, the one that he's on right now. I think there's somewhat of a connection there. Monte Morris also has a connection to Conley. Morris worked his way up the ranks in Denver over five seasons after Conley drafted him with the 51st pick in the second round in 2017. And then Wright doesn't have a Conley connection, but Wright's $8.2 million for next season, combined with Morris's $9.8 million for next season, would preserve $18 million of that DLO salary slot that we talk about. They're players who make around the mid-level exception that could, you know, be preserved in that they could be paired with another player making around that much money, maybe Torian Prince, in a trade that allows you to trade for a guy making maybe $20 million. Maybe that's this summer. Maybe that's next deadline. Again, you are just kicking salary down the line uh, in a way that you can't do with D'Angelo Russell because his contract expires at the end of the year. It would kind of preserve the salary slot. And maybe, again, maybe, maybe you can get a first back in the process if Washington's into that. Now, and then there goes your cap space for, for this summer with you know, with Morris in and Wright in. So you can go ahead and give Nas that extension now before or the, before the end of the season, before he becomes an unrestricted free agent this summer and maybe gets even more money on the open market. There's things to like. I'm not saying this is perfect. 
I really have no idea how interested Washington would be in tacking on a pick onto that package. But again, I don't think it's totally crazy for the reasons I laid out. I don't, I also don't think it's totally crazy that Washington would actually want to take a shot on D'Angelo Russell. They did the same thing a year ago when they traded Spencer Dinwiddie and Davis Bertans to Dallas for Porzingis. That actually worked out really well for them. So well that Porzingis might played so well that he might opt out of the final year of his deal, a deal that you know was labeled untradeable uh, a season ago. I mean, I've I've just said many times over the course of this season, I've said that I thought the most logical D'Lo trade was a trade that was similar to the Dinwiddie and Bertans for Porzingis trade. Breaking that max salary in half with two players. So why not just do it with the team that has a history of doing those type of trades one year ago? You know, yes, that specific deal would give the Wolves two extra players that they currently don't have roster spots for, but it wouldn't be all that hard to waive or trade Bryn Forbes and Jalen Noel to create those roster spots because there's just not going to be a lot of room at the guard position if you bring in Barton and Morris and Wright. I think there's some logic there. Predicting specific trades, though, obviously this is always a fool's errand. I'm not saying this is exactly what the deal will be, but I wanted to throw out this type of trade, if for no other reason than it's a different type of D'Angelo Russell trade. I think you throw in the Conley connections, and it's safe to say, you know, with these 15 minutes I've spent talking about this, uh, that I've spent dumber 15 minutes on, on on this show in the past. So, it's it's the type of trade that I'm thinking about and wouldn't be totally shocked to see happen because I think it makes as much, if not more sense than the Lowry and Conley type trades that we've been talking about over the past month or so. All right, that's all I got for you for this episode. Um, we're going to keep talking trade deadline for the rest of the week. I'll be back on Wednesday morning, probably when you're listening to this, to talk uh, with Jace Frederick, not only about the deadline, but also about Tuesday's night, Tuesday night's game in in Denver tonight, um, which is important to every every one of these uh, games matter. But I'm gonna head over to the stadium now and watch that that game. So until tomorrow with Jace, I'm Dane. Peace. How I'm feeling, man? I hope it never stops. Yeah, green and hot, so you can find me in the crowd. Yeah.